You're listening to the Commercial Appeal Podcast, an examination of the world's most interesting music. Let's go. Hip-hop in its most purest, most rawest form, flow almost flawless, most hardest, most honest, known artist, chip off the old block, but old Doc is back, looks like Batman brought his own robin, oh God. Hey everyone, welcome to Commercial Appeal, an examination of the world's most moving music. In today's episode, timelessness, rap lols, and tips for discovering new music. Joining me and Wilson in the recording booth. My good buddy and color commentator, Chris Morell. Chris, welcome to the recording booth. Hey, hey Blake. Uh, we're talking, this is all about the NBA Finals, right? Uh, this is the wrong podcast, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I am excited about the Finals. Who are you pulling for, by the way? Uh, I really just want to see a, a good series, six or seven game series. I, I live in the Bay Area, so um, I'm not a, a Warriors fan by, by by blood, you might say. <laughs> um, but I love watching that team play. Okay, they're a fun team to watch. I say, I say Warriors in five. There's a quickie right there. Warriors, Warriors in five. I don't think it's going seven. I think they're pissed off. They should have won it last year to repeat, and they got Durantula. I just think I think they're going to take care of. The Cavs isolation basketball, no problem. I, I expect that. I got Warriors in six, so we'll see All how right. it nets out. All right. Well, cool. Well, we're not here. This is not the NBA podcast, although it is fun. We're here today to talk music, and we got a, two big questions in particular that we're in no way qualified to answer, Chris, but we're going to try to anyway. And the first one I want to get to is let's get down to business because we just heard that song. And I want to know, Chris, I've been having these discussions with friends. I've listened to rap, hip-hop, whatever you want to call it, um, since the 90s when it blew the freak up. I mean, you could say it went mainstream in the 80s, but I think it went meteoric in the 90s um, with gangster rap, and then that came mainstream. So I've been enjoying it and listening to it ever since then. Um, But I would argue, Chris, and I've had these discussions with other friends, that it seems like it's in a bit of a lull these days. So I'm just going to throw that out there and let you react and or what's what's your take on this? Do you even like, do you listen to, to hip-hop? I do. Um, it's funny, and we haven't, you and I haven't had this conversation, so it's kind of interesting where this is the first time we're really diving into hip, like current hip-hop <clears throat> right now yeah. um, on the air. I, I couldn't disagree more. Oh, okay, good. All right, all right. Well, I actually let's... think... I I mean, it's hard to compare. For me personally, yes, that was like my personal growing up golden age of hip hop and where it really found its grounding and pervading pop culture um, back in the 90s with evolution of gangster rap. Um, But I, I almost feel like hip hop has taken over as the as really the force behind the album nowadays. I don't think rock really has albums anymore, uh-huh. um, and especially the way people listen to them. But I think the, as an art, the album still exists, and it's being pushed forward primarily by sort of these the best hip-hop artists out there, which we could dive into a little bit. Okay, so you got I mean, to discuss modern hip-hop or rap, you got to bring up Kendrick Lamar, which is the biggest deal in rap, I think. Can we agree that? He's the biggest star right now in the rap game. 
Yeah, especially as we're sitting here in 2017, like fresh off the release of Damn. So I think he's top of mind. Okay, so, and again, I'll say this. I, I'm going to hate on him a little. So um, from my perspective, he has the most, one of the most interesting voices I think hip-hop has ever heard. What I dislike about him is how, like, Chris saying DNA 15 times is not rhyming. And maybe it's rapping, but it's just still jarring to see him use this mechanic again and again in songs. I'll agree or concede that it's a lot more intellectual or sophisticated, at least in terms of the lyrics. And I know you're a big lyrics guy, so maybe you really dig on that. But in terms of flow, I think it's just, it's really disappointing to come from what I believe or argue is our our last really iconic, huge rapper, uh, Eminem, which, by the way, at the time of his rise, the world's best golfer was black. That's just so cool. You know, anyway, that's a, that's a side note. But I, I think coming from that kind of flow to the 90s and where we are now with Kendrick Lamar and Future, it's just jarring for me. Maybe I'm getting old, but I just, I'm not feeling the flow. Your take, Chris. Um, that's, I, I don't know exactly how to answer that question, Blake. I think a lot of it comes down to personal preference. Yeah. Um, I think I, again, I come back to, there are a few artists out there that are really pushing the envelope into what an album is nowadays. I think Kendrick, he's, he's one of them. I think he can do, I agree. Like I'm not going to love every track that he puts out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I especially don't, I mean, my personal taste is I don't love, um, I don't really love the, the skits in between songs, but I, I do respect that those are kind of unifying a sense of album. Like there are a few things that really ties music together as albums anymore. And those are one of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think like some of the layers can be repetitive, uh, but I think the dude can do everything vocally. Like I think his, his syncopation did, you know, the, his lyric, he, he can, he can be on a Kanye track and just be absolutely blowing Kanye out of the water in his verse. And then he can do completely different with like a, with like a very jazz root perspective. Um, and that's just speaks to him as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like, I don't know if you want to explore some other stuff, but like if you look at some of the best hip hop albums, you know, over the last year or so, I mean, from Kendrick to Drake, you know, Kanye, um, Frank Ocean, which I think he does some stuff that's just out of this world different, um, to, I mean, we didn't even talk about Tribe Called Quest. I think they're like, they're the album that they put out last year is one of my favorite albums in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. They're like, I literally, you know, got goosebumps watching their performance on SNL. Like they, they're doing stuff that rock artists, I mean, you just don't find that, especially in like commercially popular music. And I think that's a good tie into what we, we like to focus on is, um, commercial pop is, very is usually not very experimental i mean correct me if i'm wrong and maybe you feel otherwise no no Uh, i I, i'm I'm gonna concede that fully so carry on i agree it's it's commercial pop is often very formulaic but but what makes it to commercial hip-hop is often very different like you might hear like even drake's like some of his like really what you would call like cheesy like you know um stuff to come out that makes it on the radio is different and i think that's why it's appealing to people but i think when you talk about rock like 
people just want to like hear very familiar melodies and familiar themes. But mm-hmm. hip hop tends to be the only genre that, to me, that's commercially popular that seems to be pushing the boundaries or you know pushing the envelope of what you expect from like an album or a single. Um, and I don't know why they're able to do it. Other, it's just it's it's just interesting to me. Okay, now I I will agree to an extent that. There is a lot of creativity going on, certainly arguably more than in rock and roll or country or pop. Okay, I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you that. At the same time, though, there's a lot of like old tropes that I'm so sick of, like misogyny and like, you know, hand on the balls and like, <laughs> I mean, just homophobia. I mean, there's still a lot of those themes that are just will not die. And I, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm kind of over that or the whole gangster mentality. And again, Kendrick, I think, and a lot of other rappers kind of examine this. I think another huge one um, that I really do respect and like a lot is Malcolm Moore. He's, he's, he's tackling subject matter that rap never really has. And he's done it in a way that's, I think, a lot, a lot more fun that is also more um, in, in, uh, in the same vein as the 90s rap, which was really fun, if not fictionalized, um, rap. Um, that said, I still think it, I would argue it isn't a lull in terms of it's not as commercial appealing. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's still there. It's still hitting up YouTube charts, but Chris, it really, it's not, it's just not as iconic and huge and breaking into the mainstream. I would argue as Snoop used to, as Eminem certainly did at his height, rum DMC rapping with, um, Aerosmith. Do you see what I'm saying there? That it seems like it's, it's declined a little in that regard that it's not transcending its genre into the mainstream a lot like electro EDM or you know trance has infiltrated pop now granted you have those you know you have those cameo rap rappers for the little bridge in between a pop song i get that but i think as a genre it's it really it seems to be in a, a decline in terms of it's not reaching or influencing as many people as before and it's still kind of dealing with the same you know baggage um, that I would argue it's it's always struggled with uh, misogyny you know, and uh, the stuff I, I mentioned previously. Yeah, I mean, I can't dispute that, but I think I w- I, I want to flip this to you, and I, I disagree. I think it is. I think maybe we're just a little older and out of touch, and we've maybe you and I don't want to listen to the themes of misogyny and stuff. I think I, I'll push it to you: is do you think that? <clears throat> the themes in like radio pop and rock music are really doing anything different. Cause really, I mean, I think if you could, you could say like maybe hip hop and those themes aren't doing anything different from, you know, nineties hip hop as far as like thematically, but I don't, I don't really think rock music or radio pop or whatever you want to call it is doing anything different. In fact, I think it's got progressively worse and less relatable. Yeah. So I'm throwing that to you. Like, what do you think? No, I, th- that's valid. I think maybe what I would say, it's just not as overt. So it's there's more double entendres and pop. It's not as like in your face. So you know when I rock when I rock a Katy Perry song with my kids, they don't they don't know what's going on really, you know. But if I if I throw on um, Drake or or uh, Kendrick Lamar, there's there's no doubt in terms of what's going on or what's being said. So I, I think maybe it's just that overtness. But I I will concede that there are many there are very similar themes, and, and we're not going to fix everything or clean up our acts, so to speak, with our music. It's a reflection of who we are as a society, and that's rightfully being reflected in some of our biggest genres. I, I'm not I'm not saying that's wrong or bad, but it's and, and you make a good point that. 
you know, I'm on the, I'm on the wrong side of 35 in a totally different state. But there's something to be said where if I can throw on Biggie's Hypnotize and still really groove, maybe it's nostalgia, but maybe not. I think he really, I mean, I think even that track in particular is just full of flow. His rhymes are crossing over the bars like crazy. Again, like Kendrick Lamar does so well. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah, maybe I'm just too far removed. I, I'm in white suburbia and I just can't relate anymore, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think I would argue it's not as iconic and I think we need someone to pick up the mic and just really blow it up in a way that's way more accessible, um, than I think we're currently going through. I think with Macklemore, you saw some of that, like his, like the, what was it? The moped one. And then, um, Oh, what's some of his other big hits? I mean, he had several that were like crossing over into mainstream beyond just, you know, rap radio or hip hop radio. So I guess for me, my perspective, I want more of that. I want more of that huge mainstream, big anthemic rap that can reach a lot, a lot of people like I was used to in the past. Yeah, I, that's funny. Like, I just don't know if there's a road to that anymore. And I think as hip hop artists are trying to push push forward like and and <clears throat> it's funny the uh the 20th anniversary of okay computer is is hitting and they're going to re-release that record with a bunch of b-sides and unreleased tracks and rolling stone actually had a great interview with tom york about the making of that record which i just read last night and he was talking about he just looked down upon the bands like oasis and um coldplay and all the others that were trying to reinvent like you know 60s basically mm-hmm. just like 60s rock and pop yeah. um, and have that revival because they're like, I, I have, he's like, I have no interest in doing what was done in the past. I only want to recreate, I want to create new things and push the boundaries and create a, a new form of art. And I think that's what you're seeing in hip hop a little bit. I just don't know if there's a road back to the glory days. And I don't know if people actually, I mean, you and I probably want it. Like if you, yeah, I, like, you know, hypnotize and, and Biggie and, and a lot of the stuff that you would see from like, you know, the gangster rap era and Dre and Snoop. Like, I love that stuff that when I hear that stuff, it makes me think about being a kid and, you know, it'd be having my driver's license for the first time. Um, but I think, you know, in general, like there's something that I don't think we should really get into, but there's a lot of class issues with the type of music that's made. Like if you take a pop, an everyday pop artist and an everyday hip hop artist, like, and look at, they, they usually tend to, to put out art based on their lives and what they know and how they grew up. And I think there's a lot of that at play. Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't know, like, I don't see the road back there. Maybe I'm wrong. Like artists like Macklemore, sure. But I like, I can, I probably would never listen to an entire album just cause I don't like the stuff that much, but I, I really appreciate the album structure. Like when it, like, I can't stand listening to Kanye talk and a lot of his, his themes, I, I just don't relate to. And he's like, you know, wants to be, he wants to be like in the fashion industry and all that stuff. But damn, if the guy can't make a great record, like anytime a Kanye record drops, I'm like, I'm going to dedicate an hour to listening to this because it's going to be a crazy, you know, experience and wild ride and unlike anything that's ever put out there. So I think in that respect, we do have these mega artists. It's just sometimes we can't relate to them. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, I, I, 
I will admit that his albums are certainly interesting. There's no, no, there's not a better word. It, it is going to take you, uh, you know, to a place that you've probably never been orally. So, um, yeah. So agree to disagree, Chris. But I, I appreciate you taking the stance. If any listeners out there, if we're wrong, if I'm wrong, if Chris is wrong, let us know your thoughts. Is rap in a lull? Is it as, is it as big and iconic? Is it still as huge and relevant as it was in past decades. Um, let us know. Send, a, send an email, music at blakesnow.com or hashtag CA podcast on Twitter. Okay, Chris, moving on. Uh, another big question, and this is in the same thing of what we discussed in sh- episode one. Um, and we discussed this a little also in, in the last episode, episode three, this whole concept of not only what is commercial appeal, um, but what is timeless music? And I wanted to, Chris, if we could, and again, we're, woefully, un- we're woefully unprepared, but in your opinion, what are some of the key ingredients of timeless music? So music that transcends decades rather than just last for a year or two. Yeah, I think the first two things that jump out to me are, and we talked about this the last few episodes, are thematically just being relatable. So, you know, how many times have we mentioned the Beatles, but I think it's the ultimate example of if you listen to, if you put on even Sgt. Pepper, um, the themes, the lyrics and the themes in those songs and in those albums are still relatable today, you know, Uh like... Like, think about a song like She's Leaving Home. Like, anybody can relate to that today. Um, I think you have to, it can't be like, if you look back at some of the music in like maybe the 50s and, and prior, like, societally, some of the themes just don't relate as much today. <laughs> or they, yeah. you know, they might be, there might be classics or standards that have these lyrics that are just sort of like play it very safe and they, mm-hmm. like, they're, they're cool to listen to now, but you can't relate to them as much. Can't connect. So I think. Yeah, you can't. You got to connect to music, and I think the best artists create timeless music where you can say, "Oh, like I could almost feel what they were going through when they wrote that song or when they were singing those lyrics." Um, and the other thing I think is, it's not an issue as much in today's music, but it was for a long time is production. And again, to like the big bands of the '60s, you know, they the ones that still sort of persist and that pervade into sounding like they're still relatable today have, we're pushing the boundaries of production in the studio and they don't feel like, you know, orally like just crazy out of bounds or old. Um, but I think you could say that about any decade, right? Like if you, if you look at the seventies and with disco, and if you look at some of the stuff in the eighties that are like super electronic, like that stuff sounds out of place today. But if you pinpoint these certain, there are artists in every decade that you listen to now, and you're like, man, that groove's like funk. Like, that, right. that feels yeah. good. It's got a good groove, right? Yeah. Well, so, so I, are, I mean, yeah, are you ahead. saying, though, with, with production is, I, so admittedly, production in the 20s and 30s sucked balls. And are you saying that's why we don't really listen to that music very much anymore, even if there's some, some gems of songwriting in, the, in those decades? I think that's part of it. Um, obviously, yeah, when you, when you're listening to something that's, you know, basically still in mono and yeah. is recorded in like a studio that just like one mic, you know, I, in the whole exactly. <laughs> but I think it's more about the, there's a, there's a quality to production that is also timeless and I don't, I can't really put my finger on it, but you know, the best, I think the best producers, the best, you know, the best engineers can create something that they know is going to sustain um, or might have a unique quality. Like take, take the strokes first album. Is this it? I mean, that is still 
like oh, you know one of the most album. important yeah. albums of like the last 20 years and it sounded like it was recorded in a friggin' moving truck. Like, but that, <laughs> like it, it just sounds like you listen to that the first time and you're like, this is so, so like lo-fi across with noisy, but it just works so well. And when you hear it today, you're just like, man, that's unique production. So I think it's more about uniqueness maybe than just like the, the, the era or the, the fidelity of it. Okay. So that's a good point. And real quick, a little side note, absolutely love that album. Um, I love his name's Julian, right? The singer, is that right? Yeah, Julian Casablancas. Yeah, Casablancas. Voice is awesome, but can we agree, Chris, that this is kind of like uh, Ramones 2.0 or a slight evolution? Or do you feel like they were like they took the Ramones sound incredibly forward? Or do you even think that's a fair likeness or association? Uh, that's a good question. I haven't thought about the direct comparison of the Ramones. I mean, I see the the similarities. Um, I just think it, the Strokes came at the right time with sort of the right, you know, bunch of songs and couple albums um, in the middle of New York City in Manhattan. I mean, this was a New York band. Um, yeah. They were dirty. They were, you know, they were often drunk on stage. Um, they were gritty in every sense of the songs and production and also stripped down to kind of its barest of parts. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, they were a, a response to sort of where electronic music sort of like, you know, as, as Radiohead was creating this masterpiece of electronic and rock hybrid with Kid A, I think bands like the Strokes started going in the opposite direction. Like, let's go back to friggin' rock and roll. Um, because this is somewhat missing. And I, I still don't think like, if you look, if you really look back at like the last, you know, decade and a half, like 18 to 20 years, I'd be hard pressed to find a better rock, just purest essential rock album than what the Strokes were doing in their first two records. I, I would agree that to a point. The one I we've talked about before is the Struts. I think the Struts are to the last couple years what, um, or what the Strokes were in you know at the turn of the century because they when did this is it drop like two thousand two thousand one or was it ninety nine I can't remember. right um, around there right I mean it was right around the turn of the century yeah I think I want to say yeah right around then two thousand one or so two thousand I can't remember and, and, and Chris by the way ninety nine ninety nine and by the way right after that. Two bands that I have never connected with, uh, and I and I would argue is not timeless at all, is uh, two. Guess who the two biggest acts of um, the aughts were? Total aughts. So you know, from two thousand to, to two thousand nine. Do you have any idea? Uh, from sorry, repeat the question. From two thousand to two thousand nine. Yeah, the aughts. Who's the biggest rock band in the aughts? Uh, like, are we talking album sales or yeah, just total massive popularity? Man, I don't know. Probably someone that's been around for like decades. Um, You're gonna be shocked. <laughs> it's Lincoln Park, dude. They yeah, the I didn't biggest... really want to hear that. <laughs> Lincoln Park. Guess who was second? I mean, this blew my mind, and I and it makes me believe that the odds may have been some of the worst <laughs> music. Did you say purely I... rock or other genres? I, I can't remember how Billboard categorized them, but I think it might have been all genres. The second was Evanescence, dude. It was just a weird goth meets hard rock rap core amalgamation that was just no good. But I will say this. Out of the 2000s came 
who I would argue is arguably the best band in the last, a rock band, and I don't think you're a fan though, Chris, is The Killers. Love The Killers. You, you, what's your, what are you, you're on the fence or you don't like The Killers? Um, I have an interesting relationship with The Killers. I have sort of a, I like them, but I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, like everybody liked their first couple singles. Um, I just, I, I never, there was some, there's a quality about their music I just thought was a little bit cheesy. Um, but I don't really know what it is. And, uh, but I think they're a good band. I really do. And I think Brandon Flowers, we talked about Brandon Flowers as an amazing yeah, songwriter, yeah. but I think his, for me, his solo stuff, it, well, it might not be as like thematic or iconic as what he did with the killers or maybe anthemic is the right word, like big arena rock, like yeah. stuff that kind of also had sort of an indie vibe to it. But I still think like you could see where he wanted to go as a songwriter in his solo stuff to a little more grounded, a little more eighties influenced, um, relatable music. I don't know. Killers, killers. They're, they're, they're fine. They're a good band. I think one thing I really respect them is unless I'm wrong, they were the ones that that reintroduced or or popularized synth rock once more. Um, you got to, I mean, that they blew on the scene with just huge synth leads layered over fat guitar riffs, and that to me that was. I, I mean, you can't call that pioneering because synth rock existed, but it was cool to see them reintroduce that. And then a couple years later, they reintroduced brass and saxophone back into mainstream rock and roll. And that's freaking cool. So I just, I really like what they did in terms of, I guess, reintroducing the, 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 the rock world, the music world to some old great themes that I would argue timeless, such as saxophones and guitars and synthesizers mixed with rock. But anyway, we, we can get into that another day. Real quick, Chris, I wanted to play a fun game where a couple years ago, Spotify took the most played songs. You know, Spotify's freaking huge now. There's, it's a two-dog fight now, basically, maybe three between um, Spotify, uh, iTunes, and Amazon. Those seem to be the three big ones in terms of music. So anyway, Spotify did their, the most played songs from 1950 to 2005. And I want to go through the, at least the top ten if there's time, maybe a little more. And I just want you to say... Timeless or not to the song I named. Can we play this little game? Uh, we absolutely can. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. All right. So we're, we're going to go with – so you just say, is it timeless or not? And I'll react real quickly, and we'll just kind of move through this list. All right. At, I'm ready. Go. Okay. At 60 million plays on Spotify, the number one most played song on Spotify from those dates, 1950 to 2005, was Eminem's Lose Yourself. Timeless or not? Timeless. Fair, good. I agree. Completely agree. <laughs> Number two with 54 million. <laughs> we were just talking about them. Mr. Brightside by the Killers. Oh. Uh, That's timeless. Maybe as much as That's amazing, timeless. I'll, I'll, timeless. I'll go timeless on that <laughs> okay. one. All right. All right. Okay. At number three with, <laughs> you're going to love this one, Chris, 52 million plays is Linkin Park Numb. All right, let's hit the brakes. <laughs> uh, we can go with absolutely 100% not timeless. <laughs> I, I would agree. I, I, I don't think they're Nickelback bad, but there's just something off-putting about, uh, about that- Linkin Park. I, and I don't want to misjudge them. I don't really know them. I've listened to a lot of their hits. 
I haven't ever listened to a whole album just because their hits never appealed to me. So I, it's I just don't a, an era of music I, I like. I wish we could just scrub from. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. History. Okay, okay. Number four. I think we're both in agreement on this. Fifty million plays, fourth most popular song ever on Spotify. Don't stop believing by Journey. <laughs> Couldn't be more timeless, my friend. Yeah, all right. We're on a right. You're, that's timeless, right? How could that not I mean, be? Timeless? Yeah, it's your end. Bars closing, right? Like, yeah. A, okay. that, that's that, that, that. Those songs. It's a, the last song at your wedding. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. Timeless. Okay, number five. Fifty million plays. A band that was so important to me, and we've talked about them on this show, and were just so influential. But I don't think this is timeless. Smells like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. Uh, I, I mean, I kind of go timeless on that. I don't, really? I mean, like you make the argument rock, against can, it. Can you still rock that right now and get all amped when you play uh, it? Yeah, yeah, I can. You can. I mean, I know okay. it's the obvious choice for you know Nirvana single to play that might be over, overhyped and over overplayed or whatever you might call it, but absolutely timeless. No, I can't. First, and they, album, and you, first song can't. on... on <laughs> oh, never mind. Come on, one of the greatest here's, here's albums of all another, time. We've we've talked about this before, I think. But another another, in addition to the emotional um, connectivity and the and the lyric connectivity that you brought up before in the production, there's there's a little litmus test I use to detect um, to detect timeless music, and it's not scientific, but I think it pans out way more often than not, and it is this. If I can play it for my children and they can immediately dig it or see value or want to move or sing to it, or if it, if it mostly moves them, I think that's timeless music. And if it can't, I would argue it tends to be trendy music. And it's certainly important in terms of it smells like teen spirit, but I put this on for my kids and they ain't digging it at all. I put on In Bloom and we played that last week and they like it. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I think I got to disagree on that. I don't know if it's quite timeless, but incredibly important. Incredibly, incredibly important to, to music. Um, we're going to skip number four because, <laughs> just because. I'm going to go to number seven. Um, it's because it's Linkin Park again. They were the number, <laughs> no, sorry, number six. Uh, number seven, Hey Ya, Outcast, 2003. Oh, absolutely timeless. Agreed, agreed. Um, MJ, we haven't talked much. No- side note: We haven't talked much about Outcast. We're gonna have to get a discussion going oh, about how totally. they they revolutionized and, and, a lot of things. And see, to me, going back to that that rap discussion, they were one of those ones that I think you're after the artistic credibility, Kristen. You want people pushing the envelope, and I would argue Outcast was one of the last great ones to do both that while still remaining commercially and mainstream relevant and like could appeal sorry miss jackson hey ya uh, to a ton of people oh so i agree with you 100 yeah okay so number eight we, we do need to have an outcast episode anyway number eight billy jean by michael jackson there's no no doubt about that chris timeless 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 timeless, timeless. and this one is another good one that th- at, th- at 39 million plays Seven Nation uh, uh, on me <laughs> by the wise guys. So good. Timeless. So good. I, I miss I don't has he has he kind of has Jack uh Jack White gone a little what's what's the deal with him? I mean it seems like they're not putting out he's not putting out as much good stuff as, as he was as he just kinda not jumped the shark, but has he lost his drive? Maybe he's just bored. I don't know. He does a lot. But behind the scenes stuff, and I know he's had a lot of side projects over the years. But yeah, he was 
he was i don't think he was any better than the sort of the heyday of the white stripes yeah the racket okay. tours and stuff like that stuff was great but it didn't quite have the power yeah agreed okay two more um fix you cold play number 10 <laughs> oh man this is i feel like uh <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not <laughs> i'm sort of a i don't know i'm a cold play fan um but it's a good i don't know it's a good song i think it's i think i'm gonna go with timeless even though i might I'm get a little crap you. for that I'm with, I, I screw getting crap i'm with you there it's timeless I think Coldplay is a little overhyped, but they were certainly important in the late 90s for rock and roll. I saw several of their early shows. Good band. Again, I think overhyped, kind of larger than life. Maybe got some big heads. They kind of take themselves a little too seriously, or at least Chris Martin does. Um, but that cannot take away from the fact that I think Fix You is an absolutely beautiful song and, and still enjoy today in time. We'll, ju- we'll just need to forget that it was written about Gwyneth Paltrow. If we can yeah, forget yeah, yeah. that, oh. erase history, <laughs> then absolutely timeless. Okay, now the last one that, that I'm going to share, Chris, comes from a band that I would argue is timeless because they've had hits in the late 80s. They had a lot of hits in the 90s. And they even had hits as late as 2008, 2009. I'm talking about Red Hot Chili Peppers with Californication at number 11. It's an interesting one. I'm surprised that's on that. That's the Chili Pepper song on the list. But yeah, timeless, timeless. Not not their best track ever, but um, agreed. Their last. Can we agree that? Can we agree that what? that band is timeless? Yeah, that band's timeless with John Fashanti, um, their old guitar player. I think. Uh, I think they're good with Dave Navarro too. Like one hot. Uh, wasn't an, I mean, it's, it's funny. I got Aeroplane in my head the other day, and that was a oh, group. But so good. I mean, anytime you have Kiedis and Flea and Chad Smith in the band, they're going to put some good stuff out. But I yeah. think he Fashanti was the secret sauce of that band. Like their records with him were just. They were they were good. That the songwriting was just a lot better. Yeah, agreed. Well, that was, well, we could go on forever, and that's fun. And we'll have to keep revisiting this exercise, Chris, about sticking our necks out in terms of what we feel like. Oh, uh, don't make me do it again, Blake. <laughs> so um, we didn't have chance to get to our final topic, um, so we're going to delay that to an upcoming show. Um, Wilson's telling me he's telling me we got to cut it now. So, um, Chris, we've reached the end of this episode. Why don't you tell the listeners how they can participate in an upcoming show? Yeah, as always, you can uh, you can tell us anything, feedback, ideas, topics at uh, music at blakesnow.com. Um, use the hashtag CA podcast on Twitter. And hey, if you like what we're doing, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash commercial appeal. Uh, now, Chris, a little a little parting shot on today's episode. Music is is has just been such an immense part of my life as it's been yours. That's just why we're, we're using our precious spare time to record this podcast in between work and, and responsibilities. Uh, but it's been such a big part, and I cannot a big part of my life that I cannot express the joy of last week hearing my four year old shout out Alexa play Indian Summer by Jay Wolf. And then as she started playing it, he said, Alexa, volume 10, with an exclamation, and started bumping that track. That's our outro track for today. I hope you enjoy it as much as I and my four-year-old son do. For Chris, I'm Blake. Thank you for listening.